This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. A whole lot of softball highlights and a lot of baseball highlights, too, on a wild weekend at the USF Baseball and Softball Fields, where softball started off its season with a sweep against East Carolina. Baseball had a really, really strange topsy-turvy sequence of contests with VCU, a game that was 3-3 late and ended up 18-3 VCU. Yes, that actually happened. The Bulls, after giving up an 18 spot, turned in a shutout on Saturday afternoon. And then, with two pitchers that had really been good lately, you figured it would be a low-scoring Sunday affair. It was 25-15 VCU. Well, yeah, have not all the highlights of that one, but all the details in our second segment. We'll do softball in this first block. Started off with some tennis as those teams continue to win. We'll also remind you that, of course, spring football, the spring game is less than three weeks away. We will have coverage for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. As far as this week goes, the only coverage that we have scheduled for now is with Coach Golish tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I'll be heading over there en route to Bethune-Cookman. The Bulls play at Bethune-Cookman on baseball tomorrow. Of course, that's over in Daytona Beach. And hoping to wipe out the memories of what happened in yesterday's game. Was 25 runs scored by an opponent the most allowed in USF Bulls history? You're going to have to wait until that answer for our second segment. Let's start off with some wins by both tennis teams at home over the weekend on a hot weekend that Definitely serve the Bulls' purposes. Oh, look at me with the tennis puns early on a Monday in both matches. We told you this DePaul team had won eight in a row, and the Bulls jumped them in doubles. But, man, it sometimes doubles is dominant. Sometimes it comes down to a couple of points. In fact, it was wild. I was there for this before I had to run over and you know call a baseball game on Saturday. But the Bulls were only dominant in one court. It was the number one court with Sierra Berry and Grace Schumacher. Let me tell you, being able to watch them in person, you just see what a dynamic team that is. And Berry just has such smooth control over things. They win their set 6-3. to three. That was the one that it looked like was in the Bulls' favor, decidedly. Number two court was decidedly in DePaul's favor. And then the number three court, of course, you have to win two of the three to get the doubles point, was where things were iffy. But the Spaniards and both transfers, Marta Font and Nadja Christians. Nadja is from that school down the street in Orlando. How about that? While Font is a transfer from Mississippi State. Both have been big additions to the team, and you could tell they are a solid number three doubles team. At one point, all the courts were four to one, so it looked like the Bulls were going to win easily, but it was funny. The number three duo from DePaul was starting to make a comeback, got it to within four to three. At the same time, the Bulls, Ireland Simi and Lala Pelissé, who were down five to one, had got it to five to three. So at the same time, essentially, as DePaul was wrapping up the number two doubles and making it so that Font and Christians had to hold on the three court, it's exactly what happened. DePaul tied up the doubles point for all of 20 seconds before the Bulls clinched it. Then it went on to singles, and I said the Heat served the Bulls well. There was a DePaul player that had to withdraw due to cramps. After that player had won the first set, Pelissé started to put it on her in the second set. Sierra Berry was just putting it on DePaul's top player at number one singles, 6-3-6-2. Bulls actually had a 3-0 lead, so they just had to grab one more win. And Grace Schumacher went ahead and did it for the Bulls, 7-5-6-3. So, hey, DePaul came all the way from Illinois to Florida to play some tennis, so they let him play it out on the final three courts. And DePaul did take 
two wins home, so to its credit, the Bulls' freshman from Texas, Ireland Semi, battled to force a third set, but lost it. And again, not to be confused with Ireland Semi, the player from Ireland, Cleona Walsh, lost hers in two tight sets, while at the number four single spot, Marta Font won her match in a second set tiebreaker. So the Bulls now 10-5 and five overall, but they hit the road. Of course, we'll talk about this more later in the week. For their next few matches, they will specifically be going to Houston to play Rice, future conference opponent. They'll actually face FIU there in Houston, and then they'll go on Monday and play the Houston Cougars. Then three more matches, two at home, one at UCF, which is the host for the conference championship. And if it keeps going the way it's going, there's a chance the Bulls might not have to win that conference tournament to get to the NCAA. They've only been once in the last nine years. Nine years ago, 2014, was an at-large bid. They have done it several times in their history, but to get an at-large spot coming back from last year's losing record would be quite a turnaround. And speaking of turnarounds, six wins in a row to get to 10-5. and five. Similar on the men's side, they'll continue to rise up the rankings. They have now won five in a row to get to 11-9 and nine on the season. And before the women's match on Saturday, I saw Wichita State's players practicing, and they had lost at UCF the day before, and you just couldn't help but think, yeah, this Florida Heat's probably a little little much for them, and the Bulls certainly proved that out, winning all seven matches. Doubles point wasn't a sure thing. In fact, Wichita took the number three court, but the Bulls duos at one and two both won their sets. It was Bruno Oliveira and Davide Totora on the one court, 6-4, and then Alvin Todorica along with Eric Gravelius, the same score on number two. Now, the Bulls swept this match, but it must be pointed out that there were a lot of tiebreakers in here. So they had to pull out some stuff, and they won a total of five tiebreakers. You cannot expect to go five for five on tiebreakers, but the Bulls did. So if one of those flips around, who knows? But Eric Gavellius, he is the Georgia transfer, got the first singles match finished. 6-1 in the first set, but 8-6 in the second set tiebreaker. Then at number four singles, Oliveira, who'd won his first set in a tiebreaker, rolled 6-2. And then the result was clinched at number six. Believe it or not, this three-set match was finished before a couple of two-set matches. Thomas Pavlikovich-Smith wins 6-1 in his third set. The other three matches, Tortora at the one spot, 6-3, 7-6. And actually another three-set match finished before a two-setter, which makes sense. I'll tell you that in a minute. But Todorica dropped his second set, won the third 6-3, and then the last one out. Elijah Cham finished it off 7-0. Not all 7-0 scores are created equal. Some are dominations. This was, as you're hearing, a lot of tight matches that the Bulls came out in top on every one. I think that's pretty important, though. And Elijah Cham wins both of his sets in tiebreakers 7-4. Again, the computer rankings come out tomorrow. Where the Bulls are on the men's side, maybe this vaults them into the top 50, is going to be important. But keeping in mind that mid-40s is where you want to be to get into the NCAA tournament without having to win your conference. The opportunity to get there is going to be right there in front of the Bulls, and it's going to be right there on their home court because they're going to play four ranked teams in a row all at home to end the season. SMU this Sunday will start off that stretch. Great stuff for both tennis squads. Softball sweeps East Carolina, really dominated this series. We did the games on Friday and Sunday. And boy, was it important to get back one Gabriella Nori. Definitely going to need her to do stuff like she did this past weekend for a bit because Peyton Dixon, who's been great, is an all-freshman player type of candidate, 12-4 and record, has an injury. I know what the injury is. I'm not worried about it being long-term as far as season ending, 
but not anything that's probably going to have her back in the circle in the next week or so. So she was unavailable. Antoinette Hill, who's got an injury, one of the just couple of righties. Now the Bulls have two righties, the veteran Vivian Pond and Morgan Grubb. Everybody else is left-handed. And so right now, Nori is your ace pitcher, and she pitched like an ace. In her first action in basically a month, she went the distance on Friday. And the Bulls spread out the runs over several innings, got it really cranking in the bottom of the second. Drills it up the middle, and that is going to give the Bulls the lead. That is solid swinging right there by Ryan Eigerman. Been a while since she's had a rib, but she pulls one through, and the Bulls have the lead in their conference opener. Caleb drills that ball. Get down, get down it well. That is easily going to score one run with Eigerman. Rounding third base and scoring easily is Piero, and what a big hit at the top of the order by Jordan Caleb. A two-run double makes it 3 to nothing Bulls. Got to include Marissa Tribal piece in there. Her extra base hits just continue to pile up. She started things off with a double. But those two players in particular, Eigenman, who began the season at the top of the lineup, and you could see the eagerness from the transfer from Central Connecticut State, but she only had one hit in her first couple of weekends, but had a big series herself. And Cadlib, who frankly was at the bottom of the order, but over the last couple weeks specifically, has started to really put it together. Of course, the fourth-year player, from Pasco High School, same thing. She only had a couple of hits through the first three weekends. She was hitting 077 at one time, but it's now gotten the batting average above 220. That was her second two RBI game in the last week or so. Bulls weren't done scoring. Nori was doing the job on the other end. No small thing. Tylee Vaughn starts things off in the fourth with a double. Doubles were the order of the day for the Bulls. And then Eigenman, the player that is not going to get cheated on her swings. You as you'll hear me call it, knew that this was coming. Vaughn drills that ball. That's got a chance to go deep. And off the top of the wall, just misses being a home run. But Vaughn cruises in with double number four of the day and almost home run number one. Ryan Eigeman came through with a two-out RBI single her last time up. And she is, with the runner on third base, she is sacrifice fly candidate because he just makes solid contact, doesn't strike out a bunch. And there you go. Drills it to right field. Could be caught. Is in right field. Tylee Vaughn scores easily. And it's 4-0 Bulls. Ryan Eigenman gets congratulations from the dugout and gets her second RBI of the day. And it's 4-0. That was all the insurance, really, that Nori would need. We present the latter portion of the game, some of her action, and the Bulls tacking on a couple more for a 6-1 win. Getting underneath it enough to make it an easy catch. Is Sawyer and Sheehan makes this head catch and another one, two, three inning for Gabby Nori. Four of her six innings have gone that route, and that's how you like it. Travel piece golfs it to right field. That ball's got some carry, and it's off the top of the wall. Another extra base hit for Marissa Travel piece and another near home run for the Bulls today. It's a double to start things off here in the bottom of the six. Travel piece. Gives the Bulls their fifth double of the day and her ninth of the season. Could get a chance to add on. Let's see. 1-1, runner at second. That's a good bunt. That'll definitely advance the runner. And a bad throw. It'll score a run. And Vaughn's going to get all the way to third base as that one sails deep into the corner in right field. So put the ball in play and things can happen. And it's 5-0 Bulls. No RBI there for Vaughn, but definitely a sacrifice bunt. 
And the run comes home. This is a moment for her. And she golfs it to the pitcher. They throw to first, runner breaks from third and scores. So that will go down as an RBI for Bryant. And it's six to nothing. East Carolina would finally get to Nori there in the top of the seventh inning. But to get that complete game effort out of Nori was enormous. Only needed 82 pitches, six hits. She did not walk anybody, two strikeouts. The Bulls got those two RBI from both Cadillac and Tribal Piece. Two more hits from her and Eigenman with two RBI. And the Bulls go on to Saturday. Would not do a broadcast. As I mentioned, we were going to have some family in town, and we enjoyed our Saturday night. We were keeping an eye on this game where the Bulls tied their season high in runs with nine, scoring them all in one inning. And it was a pretty important inning after the Bulls fell behind 4 nothing. Again, no Peyton Dixon, so they went with Jaden Martinez, another freshman lefty who would pitch well this year but just ran into trouble. She threw a wild pitch after Tadrasini, who's their leadoff batter, transfer from Texas A&M, had a double and a triple in two runs in this game. Got it going. The Bulls had kept her off the base paths in the first game. And then after a couple walks to load up the bases, a two-RBI single by the St. Pete kid, Jocelyn Alonzo, and all of a sudden the Bulls are having to go to the bullpen. And Lexi Kopko, of course, we're highlighting what Gabriella Nori did with two wins on the bookend, but Kopko, with no Peyton Dixon, was critical to the series sweep. And, frankly, the outlook for the conference with Wichita State and UCF and pick to finish 1-2, and the Knights drop that series at home this weekend. Those are your big challengers. And Houston, the team the Bulls go to this week, is also going to pose a challenge as the Bulls are likely not to have Peyton Dixon. Really, if you're not the number one seed, you might as well be the two or the three. There's no difference. So in order to claim a conference championship, you're going to have to win series against Wichita and UCF, which means you can't afford to drop games, if at all possible, in any of the other series. One, possibly against Houston and Tulsa, but you got to pull off sweeps against the bottom two teams, which I know East Carolina was 21-9 coming into this, but not much of a schedule. And the Bulls, in order to pull off a sweep, had to get the performance they got from Lexi Kopko. Try five and two-thirds scoreless innings out of the pen but four nothing is a big hole to overcome and the bulls did it all in the second inning and we didn't do a broadcast on this so we'll just tell you about it started off with another tylee von double oh she would hit one out on sunday wait to hear that but this was interesting they went down four nothing with a bunt approach from megan piero clearly trying to bunt to get on but it moved von over and then kathy garcia walked on four pitches Emily Hanlon hit a sharp one to the pitcher that she couldn't handle to score a run. Then another walk. So out comes their basically co-ace, Addie Bullis, had gotten the start on Friday. And Jordan Hatch is their second starter. They brought in Peyton Hudson, who actually held the Bulls down for a couple of innings in the second game. And that made sense. Well, first batter she faces is Megan Sheehan. Hits a ground ball that scores a run, but gets the second out. So the Bulls are down to two outs and only within four to two then Ryan Eigeman singles up the middle sharply and then the Bulls tied up as Vivian Pond singles herself sharply it's still four to four at this time and frankly that's how the inning should have ended as tribal piece hits one to third base fairly mild ground ball that gets booted and not only did the Bulls score an under and run there to take the lead it opened the door if you look at the box score didn't see what happened you see that Tylee Vaughn struck out that should have been the inning Ender, but this was very interesting, and full credit to Georgina Korik, who was working the game with Ryan Urquhart. Their catcher, Sophie Wools, on a dropped strike three, thought the inning was over. 
because there were runners on first and second. She didn't think you had to throw it over to first. But technically, on a drop pitch, those runners are allowed to advance, leaving theoretically first base open. So she still had to throw over to first, and she refused to. And Vaughn took the base, and the infielders for East Carolina were looking at the catcher like, why didn't you throw the ball? So not only should it have been 4-4 to before an error on the third baseman, it should have ended there at 5-4. to There was an actual strikeout earned by their pitcher, Hudson, who you have to feel for. Because she, after that, of course, this is the softball gods in this case, taking over Megan Piero, lines a two-run double, then they replace Hudson with Bullis, and she gives up a two-run single, and it's 9-5 to Bulls. Now, Bullis, like Kopko, would pitch well the rest of the way. In fact, those two pitchers combined just gave up one run. It was the run that Kopko gave up in the fourth inning, but the Bulls win it 9-5. to Again, Lexi with her win first of the season. Five and two-thirds innings, Gabby Norrie actually pitched the final inning. The Bulls did not have a batter with two hits in this contest. They had a couple with the two RBIs in Piero and Garcia. Sunday morning is when the finale began, and the Bulls had a pretty easy time in this one. In fact, ended up winning it via the run rule, and Gabby Norrie did the pitching again for USF, a second complete game. Interesting, though, there were two righties, the two available righties, Vivian Pond and Morgan Grubb, because East Carolina, unique lineup, top three in the order, lefties, everybody else a righty, was threatening. This was pretty important top of the second. Norio had very few problems, running into some problems here early, but can get out of it one strike away. And that ball's golf, it's gonna stay high in the air. Nice little wave off there at first base by Travel Piece, catches it in foul ground. And the Bulls indeed escape the jam. What made that extra intriguing was their number nine hitter, their catcher, Sophie Wolves, got pinch hit for in her first go-round because she's only four for 44. And they brought in a pinch hitter just for that specific situation, which, as you heard, ended well for the Bulls. Love how the bottom of the second began. A freshman, Camille Ortiz-Martinez, who didn't play on Saturday, four-pitch walk. She's got power, but she took the base. We know that Marissa Tribal Piece has power. Instead of launching one, she dropped down a perfect sack bump. But you want to talk about launching and a freshman with power. Oh, that ball is drilled deep to left field and stay fair. Oh, wow! A home run of epic proportions by Tylee Vaughn. Tying into that one indeed. And it's two to nothing Bulls. Man, oh man, she clubbed that softball, that poor softball. That softball has a family. You know, it was the only homer of the weekend, but it counted for several <laughs> with that distance. I've seen her do that in batting practice a lot. It wasn't shocking, but great to see it in a game. As I said, just one home run, but a lot of paper cut type things, which you love when the offense starts to do it that way. The Bulls actually at one point in the 8 nothing run rule, so six inning victory on Sunday, had six hits, all from six different players, similar to their Friday showcase. Ended up in this one with both Tribal Piece and Piero getting two hits. Megan Sheehan and Tribal Piece both with RBI singles in the third for a 4 nothing lead. Piero brought in Hallie Bryant in the fifth. And the Bulls finished it off in run rule style to give Gabriella Nori yet another complete game victory. Here's how it sounded, including a pretty special moment for a fourth-year Bull. Two and one lined up the middle, and that is a... Base knock for Bailey, and it'll bring in two. And the Bulls are one run away from ending this thing, and it's seven to nothing. Bailey Leistel, before that swing of the bat, had one career RBI. She doubles it. One possible ball away from a walk-off run rule victory. And how about just a smash to center field? Great hustle out there to make the catch by Cinny. 
and that will easily do the job. What I liked about that is Alexa Galligani scored, and she was the first of three straight pinch hitters who all reach base on hits five in a row, three from pinch hitters, and then Ortiz Martinez finishes it off with the sacrifice fly. Much more to talk about with this team, the importance of its next series, and Ken Erickson actually have some of him from after the game, but we'll save that for tomorrow's show when surely some Bulls will be on the weekly honors. They are now 22-15, and 3-0 in conference, tied with first place Houston. That's their next opponent on the road. What happened in that pivotal UCF Wichita series, we'll cover it Monday afternoon on Around the American. We will replay both softball games along with the Saturday and Sunday baseball games. Not replaying Friday's game, although for six and two-thirds innings, it was close. In fact, the Bulls had fought back from a 3-0 hole and got a record strikeout performance from its starting pitcher. And can't check his swing. That is going to be strikeout number 10. A 10K day for Boogie Brown, and there's two down. Top of the order, third time through for the Bulls. And Montez golfs that one deep to center. Going back on his Mathis, and he's at the wall, and it's over the wall! A two-run bomb by John Montez. It's fifth of the year, and the Bulls are back in this baby. It's three to two. And he golfs it, and that should at least tie the score. They are going to send Sankovic, and we are tied. Didn't need a home run there. Just a solid base knock, and it's three to three. As you heard, the crowd was into it. We mentioned Boogie Brown by two, had his career high in strikeouts. And looking back on it, should have also notated just one walk because walks were a slight problem for seven different Bulls relievers who would combine walk eight, two, after Brown departed to start off the seventh. Riley Skeen comes in for Chandler Dorsey, hits a batter, but gets two strikeouts. However, Brandon Ike, who had homered earlier in the game, clears the bases with a double, and it just went from there. You had a player for the other team, Cooper Benzen, who was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, come up in the eighth inning, not interested in striking out again, tried to bunt twice, couldn't do it, and of course hits a home run, and would actually come up again in the inning and drive in two more with two of their three hits in a nine-run inning when they walked six times. It got away, you could say, 18 to 3. But what an answer for the Bulls the next day. A 9-0 win, Hunter Mink, six shutout innings. Nolan Hootie finishes the deal with a three-inning save. And Daniel Cantu had a day. And he drills it into that spot, but through. Here comes Montez. That could be extra bases for Cantu, but it's definitely going to be the lead for the Bulls. Indeed, a double. Cantu goes the other way with it. That is going to do the trick. In fact, it is going to get to the gap. One run comes in easily. Rutcher is going to be waved around third. No play. And Daniel Cantu. It's a two-run double for three to nothing. Cantu launches that one deep to right field. Stay fair, baby. It's gone. And I mean way gone. That one almost hit 50th Street. Five RBI. And the Bulls lead it nine to nothing. So the stage is set. Everything's normal. Typical Sunday game expected because Jack Siebert had given the Bulls two great Sunday starts, only allowing one earned run in 13 innings. And their starter, Mason Delane, had thrown VCU's first complete game shutout in eight years, his last time out, one nothing. So it's going to be a low-scoring game, or 25-15, to 15, including the Bulls coming back from down 8-1 to tie it. On its way from Ellis, swing, 
And a fly out to deep right field. It might have the distance. Eric Snow has tied the game. Would you believe it? The Bulls have done it again. They have tied it at nine, and Eric Snow with a three-run jack off the scoreboard. Can you believe that? Kevin's reaction was the same as everybody there. I was actually there for the first hour or so, first 18 runs of the 40 in the baseball game, and not many in the stands reacted like that was going to go out of here, but Snow knew it. Four hits, a career high. He's got the batting average up to 311, and another freshman who got a home run, his first, we have to mention, I don't know if he's going to be leaving the lineup anytime soon. Getting the start today in the field, lefty. Take a shot on the first pitch, lifts it high in the center field. Mathis going after it to the wall. It's gone! I wasn't sure off the bat, but Betancourt, I think he knew, drove that to the deepest part of the park. Rafael Betancourt, the freshman now with his three-hit day, hitting 407. The Bulls had eight players with multi-hit games. Usually that's going to get you a W when you score your most runs of the season, unless you give up the most runs unofficially in program history. Yes, as I said on Twitter this morning, I did not want to make anybody look it up, especially on a Sunday. And I was about to ask somebody that would look it up, and I know would have the knowledge on a Monday, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to look it up myself. I'm going to do the work. And unofficially, the Bulls gave up 24 to Miami in 1986, and to the Seminoles in 2015, Miami's gotten them for 20-plus a few times. Tulane's gotten the Bulls for 20-plus a few times. There were a couple 23s in there, courtesy of Eckerd and Stetson. And actually, my alma mater, Florida Southern, scored 20. There's been some 20-pluses, but never a 25. And, well, the Bulls need to, especially on the back end, get that all figured out before conference play. But they only have one game until conference play. That is tomorrow at Bethune-Cookman, and I'll be on the trip with the team to bring that action to you. Bulls lose 25-15. to Record sitting at 9-16 and on the season. By the way, the conference does begin this weekend, as it did last weekend for softball. Remember, we've got around the American schedule to run a couple times Monday late afternoon slash early evening on the channel, where we will tell you what went on elsewhere and what's to come. Wrapping up with a couple of notes here, Coach Yolisha Jackson. Coach Yo is now the head coach for women's basketball at South Alabama. She came here three years ago from the Jaguars where she was an assistant. This will be her first head coaching gig. She was in charge of the post players for the Bulls and a very much appreciated member of the staff. But you could tell watching practices that she conducted herself in a head coaching type manner. And this was not a surprise and will become South Alabama fans now for sure. And track and field took part in a very limited capacity at the Knights invite over the weekend. As a matter of fact, it was only the pole vaulters and how about the pole vaulters for the Bulls? Taking a victory on the men's side was Kobe Babin. Noah Bitter, a freshman, was in third place. And the women finished 2-3 in the pole vault with Ella Dulce in second place ahead of teammate Riley Hunt. Dulce, a freshman from New York. Hunt, a transfer from the University of Arkansas. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat for Monday. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.